0: In Psalm 61. So turn there in your Bibles. Psalm 61. We're going to read responsively. You're going to read the first verse. And then I'll read the second and all the even verses from there. Alright, here we go together. Hear my cry. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong power against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. For you, o God, have my vows. you have given
1: me the heritage of those who my
0: name. Along the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God, steadfast love and faithfulness. Altogether, so will I ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. All right, so we've been looking at several psalms on our Wednesday psalms often encourage us in prayer um, because it speaks of the, the uh, just the kind of the believer's rhythm, the rhythm of his life is a rhythm of praise. It's a rhythm, rhythm of worship, even in the midst of trials. Here we see a a common prayer, and in this prayer we start off with a plea, a request, a, a desperate plea, and then we we end with a vow. A plea is is just begging God in in a request to Him asking him for something a vow then says um what we are going to do in in serving god and so we make pleas and vows god hears our plea do we keep our vows here we are at the start of a new year and you should be and you probably are considering several vows that you have to the lord commitments that you want to make to him i want to encourage you to make those commitments even if you even if you fail some of them already in the first week of the year, uh, don't, don't let that discourage you. You still have most of the year in front of you, right? So it's not too late to say, Lord, I've, 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 I've failed, but help me get back up and get started again. Better to start on January 8th <laughs> than to not start at all. So let's make some of those vows. Let's look at, look at what he says. Look at his desperate plea. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. There are times that we pray, and it's not just a mundane prayer. It It is a genuine, heartfelt cry out to God. Help me. Save me. Deliver me. And I think the psalmist had those kind of experiences in his life. If David is the one who wrote this, then we certainly can see from his life some of the desperate pleas that he had to God. It says the, the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart, yet he found himself in circumstances where his life was threatened. Um, his own friends would forsake him. His own family would turn on him. He had sons who tried to kill him. Um, he had some desperate situations uh, he fought great enemies enemies of his own country like Saul enemies of, 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 of the Philistines like Goliath uh, just great warriors and, and uh, so he had many physical battles he also had spiritual battles uh, battles with his own desires um, battles in, in, in just trying to Um, be what God called him to be as a leader of his people, challenges um, in his his own life to lead his family, lead his children. So he had um, just challenges. Here it says, hear my cry. It's not just a request. It's a request that's voiced in a cry, a cry out to God. Do you pray like that? Maybe not every time that you pray, but there are sometimes that we come to him in just a desperate need, and, and God hears. He says, hear my cry, listen to my prayer. He, he kind of gives us the, the context, from the end of the earth I call to you. When I hear that, I get the idea that he feels remote. He feels separated. He feels uh, left to himself. From the end of the earth, he's, he's, he's saying, Lord, I'm here all by myself. I'm in trouble and it doesn't seem like there's anyone here to save me. Um, You can feel like that if you simply have a flat tire on the side of the road. Um, But that situation can get even more desperate when uh, you're in in a neighborhood that's not only unfamiliar but unkind, um, that, that you know is dangerous at a time of day that you don't expect to get help from good people. Um so those kind of situations he felt like he was at wits end. He felt like there was there was no one else to turn to. And the fact is sometimes that's where we are. There is no one else to turn to but God. Um my wife um in in her journey is our journey now through through cancer. We went to her first chemo today. Um and as I thought walk as I returned home I thought about just the atmosphere, we're in a, in a place called the Cancer Center, and there, uh, everybody there is obviously being treated um, for, for cancer, and how full the room was, like wow, uh, people of all ages, um, but they're there, and, and this is kind of like, this is a, a desperate um, situation, and uh, it just makes you think of, of where we are, physically we have desperate needs. Of course, we know that spiritually we have a desperate need because there's no one that can come to our aid in what we really need besides God. He's, he, he points to God when he says in verse 2, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. We need someone who is greater than us to help us out. You know, if you need some money you might have a good friend, but if that good friend doesn't have any money, it's like, I need somebody (laughs) who's got some resources, right? I need someone who has some resources. And he says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Here again, we see God referred to as a rock Sunday morning. We looked in Deuteronomy 33, um, 32, and, and on. God described there as a rock, as a a foundation that we can build our lives on. On a sturdy uh, a rock is not only that, but it's a protection. Um, he says, uh, "A refuge." In verse three, you have been my refuge, a strong tower. In verse three, um, in verse four, he says, "Let me, let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings." In Psalm, excuse me, in Deuteronomy thirty-three. Um, we didn't go over that but in that same passage he talks about protecting his people like an eagle uh would put his wings over his young and and shield them and protect them you ever saw an eagle uh in the a wild it is an awesome awesome sight i remember uh, um being not too far from here actually uh being in the in the uh kind of in the country and I don't think it was an eagle that I saw, but it was a, a bird of prey, like a hawk or something. But it was a very large bird. And when I saw him, I was like, whoa, that's not a crow. That's not a robin. <laughs> that's not a duck. <laughs> that is an awesome creature. And, and and he was on a very, very high perch but he just looked like he meant business. <laughs> and, to, to take, and when you see that wingspan and spread out, when you see them in flight, you know this is not just any bird. So imagine that wingspan now being used to protect its young, spread out over them. And that's the, the image. And the, the psalmist is crying out, um, let me take refuge under the shelter of your wing." And he talks about his vow in verse 5. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You've given me the heritage of those who fear your name. So he makes a vow, and he refers back to that again in verse 8. So will I ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. Here he's saying, Lord, as you answer my prayer, I want to keep my vows that I have to you. Um, Now that's important. Uh, we, we don't make a big emphasis in, in our preaching and in this ministry on our own vows. In fact, there's a de-emphasis on that even in our invitation. We're not looking for you making promises that you can't keep to God. But the fact is, is that we are to make promises. We are to make commitments. We are to make vows to God. And the psalmist was saying, I want to keep the vows that I made. He's saying, I've made commitments to the Lord, and I want to keep them. It is, it is much in our power to keep commitments to the Lord. We just have to put them first. Always think about this. You're here tonight, and when you got here, you either got here on time or you got here late. If you got on time, it wasn't an accident. If you got here on time, it's because you decided way before you got here, you're going to get here on time. And you kept that vow by doing the things that were in keeping with that vow, getting yourself ready, making preparations, watching the clock, and being mindful of that, and then, boom, you made it happen. Other people look in here and say, wow, he's always on time, she's always on time. No, they made a point. They made a vow, and they kept that vow, and they let nothing come between that simple vow and them performing it. And God honors the performance performance of that and so the psalmist has made a vow we need to make vows that are proper with us in serving the lord and so i challenge you to to make those vows and then to keep those vows or to do what you need to do in other words we have to change our behavior so that we keep what we said we would do now i say we often i often de-emphasize our vows because we talk too much. We say too much. We say what we're going to do and then I get tired when we don't do it. And I'd be like, okay, just don't say it no more, you know. Just just be quiet. <laughs> just, just, just don't make the vow. But in honesty, what we ought to do is do all that we should to keep the sensible right vows that we made. Like one I mentioned in terms of being on time, another vow as we walk into the New year's one of giving. Lord, I am going to give to you. And it's not like I have to make more money this year to give to you. No, I have to be faithful with what I've been given by you and give it to you in a trust, in a trust manner and uh, f- uh, f- trusting you to, um, to, to provide for me with what, uh, what I have left. And so we need to, we need to make vows. We need to, to give that. <clears throat> so we see that in verse 5. Um, and we see that in verse 8. So let's just wrap things up here. As David or the psalmist here has um, prayed, we can see our prayers to the Lord. We can make our desperate plea to God. He hears our plea. He knows our situation. He knows that we have a great need of him. God enjoys that. um, um, So we do good to, to, to cry out to him, to be desperate before him. In, in fact, I think anything less than that is really us um, not realizing the situation that we're really in. We, we sometimes think that we're coasting along in our own strength, and the reality is we can do nothing without God, um, and we need, to, we need to cry out. So what are you crying out for tonight? Um, as we mentioned our requests tonight, further on in our service. Uh, I want you to realize how important your prayer is and how important it is that you pray for this work and for this ministry and that you actually cry out to God on behalf of what he wants to do here. We have the gates of hell that God says will not prevail against his plan for the church. And the means for having that plan and that protection is us crying out to God. And so we need to do that. We have a lot of desperate needs in our midst they are physical, they are spiritual, they are great. Uh, I pray to God to open our eyes to see them and then call us to pray uh, faithfully in regard to that. And then at the end of this chapter, we looked at the vows. What are you vowing to the Lord um, this year? And what are you doing to keep those vows? Um, they can be simple and, and um, obtainable. I'm going to be faithful at service. I'm going to be on time for service. I'm going to be involved in the different ministries that God has for me. Uh, I'm going to mention just a few of those. We're always in the need of service. Um, Often people think, what great thing can I do for the Lord? In other words, how can I stand in the front and look important for the Lord? But... It's always stuff behind the scenes that needs to be done. We're always in need of people working in the nursery. Did you know that? <laughs> we have people who leave here to go in the nursery. We're always in need of that. We're always in need of somebody to clean the church on, on a regular basis. We're always in need of people who are willing to help out. We just um, took down Christmas decorations. We're always in need of people doing some of those simple things um, that, that need to be done. What you'll find, though, is it, it, is it falls on the faithful to do those things. And what happens is the faithful can do less of the other things that God is getting them to do because they're, doing, uh, uh, they're busy with, with other things. They're busy with things that could be handed off to others if they were faithful in doing that. So look for areas that you can serve. Ask your leaders for how you can serve, and then be willing not to just mandate to them what it is you would do, but to make yourself available for whatever needs to be done so that you can free them up to lead in the way that God wants to lead so that this church can grow. All right, let's go ahead in our meditation.
1: Good evening, saints. And we start a new year. We want to start a new section of scripture for our meditation. So we're going to be going through the Beatitudes, and then once we get through that, or I'm sorry, we're not going to just do the Beatitudes, but the Sermon on the Mount. The strength of meditation is that it combines the knowledge that we have in communion with the Holy Spirit and prayer. And that's why it's fitting for us to do it on Wednesdays. And so, before we meditate, let's just pray a little bit. Dear Lord, open our eyes that we would see wonderful things from your word. Help us to Be in tune with your spirit as he teaches us your word. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. your reward is great in heaven for so so they persecuted the prophets who were before you do you think that he started his sermon with such words he first starts off with blessings I think it's important to understand that when we look at the essence of God's word it's a blessing to us all God's word is a blessing even the word that may condemn is a blessing because it's a warning if the sign says that there's a hole ahead that's not a bad thing that's a good thing And if we say that you should sin this way, you'll be judged, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. It's not a mean thing. It's a kind thing. The whole word is a blessing. What is a blessing? A blessing is to be held in favor by God. To be favored. One way we could think of it is God's favoritism towards us over some others does God favor you more than he favors somebody else if he does you're blessed so he says blessed are the poor in spirit blessed are those who mourn blessed are the meek blessed are those who hunger blessed are the merciful blessed are the pure blessed are the peacemakers Blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are the reviled. Something in common with all those blessings is that there are things that people don't necessarily write books about, about how to be successful and do these things and be a CEO. Nobody says, if you want to be CEO of a major company, mourn. Nobody says, let yourself be reviled. Nobody says, be on the side of the minority and be persecuted. But That's what Jesus says. And I think one of the parts of this Beatitudes that maybe isn't emphasized enough is the fact that it's radical. It it makes you understand that Christianity is in direct opposition to this world. And we can't really, some people try so hard to make Christianity cool or part of the culture. It's really never going to be. Me and another pastor was talking a while ago. And we, we both still listen to some rap. And we just saying, man, why do we as Christians, we know most rap is not good, but why do we like listen to it? And the thought that we had was, we like the fact that it kind of rejected society. Now, rap rejects society in a sinful way. But when you look at Jesus' words, you can see a little bit of a rejecting society edge to it. If the gospel doesn't have an edge, I wonder if it's really doing anything. And it made me think this the other day. Are we really doing anything if our church is not really causing a stir, not getting persecuted, not making people angry? I know it's not our intention to make people angry. But I think if we are trying to hold back the truth of the gospel for the sake of not making people angry, all we're doing is making a weak form of the gospel. The gospel will naturally provoke a reaction. It's not up to us to make that reaction be muted. But it's up to us to present God's words. I think maybe sometimes we think we can say it better than God did. We're going to be more gentle than God was. We're going to be more loving than God is. We're going to be wiser than God is. I think we have to recognize that we may never be the cool kids if we are Christians. And that's okay. That's okay. We don't need their approval. We need God's approval. We want to be blessed. Amen.
2: Good evening, everybody. Tonight, I am it's a pretty easy one. Um, I just want to have our focus be on those that were with us and are no longer with us. So I want to just put our prayers out. An incident happened that just brought it back to mind that there are people who have left being fellowship with us for uh, reasons that are not godly, hard-heartedness, disputes, silly disputes, whatever it may be. So what I want to do is just, just have two or three people pray um, just in general for those people. If, if you are feel called to pray for particular people that come to mind, that's fine as well. You can pray for them as well. Um, if the Lord is stirring you up to pray for them, I'm not going to discourage that either. So after we have a couple people pray, I will close this. Lord, we just continue in prayer. We just lift up um, all the people that have come through this door um, throughout the church's history that are no longer with us. They're no longer with us for ungodly reasons. Um, that are no longer with us for disputes, for um, silly disagreements, for their own personal reasons, for even those who acted like they were with us but they were never your children. Lord, we ask that you just stir up their hearts. We, st- we ask that these stir up the hearts of these people were loved ones family members friends um, came from the rescue mission walked in from the street whatever various reasons they were with us for us but we know you had them here to hear your word and that they did that here but we ask that you stir up their hearts don't give them comfort being away from you um don't get if they're not saved don't give them comfort knowing that they are not your children make that aware to them and that ultimately that they find you as their lord and savior but also lord that you bring those who left for un ungodly reasons to come back to realize that their place is in church and that they need to be connected to your body and they need to be connected to the body of Christ and that you continue to just work in their lives and um, like I said just don't give them a moment of peace that as they're sitting up in bed late at night or um, anxious at their job for no reason that they realize that it's because they are not in fellowship with you in your name we pray amen